Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back, everyone. It's What For, the podcast that asks just that. So this week is a golden episode and I've actually had to divide it into two because I'm really happy with it. It was an interview with the lovely Claudia Salquillo, an artist who became famous painting naked women and not like standardly painting naked women, which basically every artist ever has done, but like painting on the women. The women themselves were covered in paint. And I'll let you guys listen to exactly what she has to say. She's gained a big following on social media because of her approach to life. And she's had thousands of people write to her and say, how can I take your attitude into my own life? So the perfect interviewee for what for? I hope you really enjoy it, guys. This one's a gem. I went viral on Instagram because I was painting women naked. I was not thinking that that was going to be like viral or anything like at all. I was just exploring because at some point in my life, the paper was boring. And I was like, okay, let's try it on, on other surface. So I started painting like walls, the floor, like rocks, like everything. And then when I came to a female body, it was amazing. Everything that happened, not only for painting, like turning a muse into a piece of art, but also what happens when a woman is so free that she just gets naked and do what she wants with her body. That was insane. People started like looking at that like really transgressive act of art when I was just exploring with my art. And then suddenly like, it got people's attention and media attention. But that's like an example of how things grow naturally. One of my biggest values is authenticity and integrity. And I make sure that it is in all of my universe. That's a really firm foundation for you to be able to build on. Like if you already understand that what you're creating is authentic, it removes a lot of questioning yourself. Like you you can question yourself in something else when it comes to how you're going to be creative next instead of, is this right for me? Yeah, exactly. For instance, it was not in my goals to become a mentor, but at some point I was like, okay, what do you need from me? And they all were like, we want you to teach us how to uh, be a full-time artist. And it got to a point where people were not asking me what brand of paint do you use? They were like, What's your morning routine about? Can you teach us how to be productive? How can I make money with my art? And then I was like, okay, they need that from me. Then later uh, it was like, no, no, I don't want to be an artist, but I want you to teach me the productivity. So that's how it works, actually. Uh, And that's how I make sure that I uh, do everything in my art and in my business. It's very responsive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Now I'm going to ask you the the hippie question that I I warned you about. Although I, I get a vibe that you're okay with hippie, so um, whether we're religious or not, or we have a spiritual faith or whatever, mm-hmm. we all have a story that helps us make sense of the world from which we derive meaning or purpose. I was wondering, what story did you begin with? I think I've been a feminist all my life because I remember when I was like really young, maybe three, four years, 
that my family were asking me to do things and not to my brother. I remember being like really, like really young and, and asking them like, but why should I do that? I'm not my, my twin brother. And they were like, because you are a señorita, because you're a little lady. And then I was like, oh my God, this is that, that's when I started this consciousness about the gender uh, differences. I have a really loving family that they always support me. There are no artists. I'm the first one who ever grabbed a, a, a brush or a paint. And as well, I was the, the first one to go to, to university. But they always support me. Like They were like, this girl, she's obsessed with drawing. So at six, they put me on an art academy. And then they paint my studies in art. By the age, I think the age of like 11, I was already obsessed with books. So I started reading first novels. And then at some point, I realized that feminism was a thing and it was my thing. My family are not intellectuals. Um, They are amazing people, but like intellectuals. So I decided that I wanted to learn things. And then I came to Barcelona and then I fell in love with Barcelona. And then I started to work as a waitress where I was making art in my free time, really prioritizing the creative component of my life. My own bosses were telling me like, what the fuck are you doing serving coffees? Like you are brilliant, go make art. And eventually I I did that, (laughs) but that's basically it, yeah. It's it's really interesting to hear you talk about your family. A lot of what you, you you were describing there was how you're not like your family. From like the very first story of like you first realizing you were a feminist or that you were like self-made. But I, I, I was wondering, what do you think were the elements that shaped you from your family? Almost even as like a contradiction to your family. What are the bits that you think are a part of who you are? Uh, I I don't know if I want to say this in a podcast. Actually, I will say it, and if I don't, I don't. I don't. If want you don't it. want it, I, that's totally fine. I, you'll hit. You. I'll show you it before before I put it up. Don't but, worry. Perfect. I realized that I wanted more. The best thing on my family is the biggest ambition is to be happy, and they are a bunch of really energetic and happy people, and that's the best thing that I, uh, I've got from them because I'm, a, I'm extraordinarily uh, happy. But I didn't want to be like them. Maybe it was because I started reading novels very young and then uh, I was like, there, there is more. This is too plain for me. I was always wondering more and asking more and and they didn't know the, the answers. I always felt like the black sheep. I knew that I, I was different from them. So I always... I always search for this difference. Why I'm not like the rest of the people around me. Not only my family, but also my friends. I was like, I'm different. But then like, why are you so different? You know, why do you want to read books instead of making friends? Like, okay, I'm clearly different. Let's see. Let's see how far this goes, basically. It's interesting to hear you say that when they couldn't answer your questions, you were forced to kind of find it out for yourself. And that, that seems like a very big part of your sort of autodidactic yeah. way, of, way of looking at things. And, and it's, all, it's almost creativity. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, my, my frontier stops here. That step, that, that almost seems like another gift from your childhood. The necessity and the belief that it comes from you instead of it yeah. comes from something else. That's, 
sounds really it's really exciting to listen to it's exactly creativity what we're talking about i created myself like if you see my background is so different from what i am the people i saw myself with is so different i am so different from my own family so it's like i created myself and i always say like my life is my art from the very beginning that i open my eyes in the morning i just say what i am what i do and, and who I want to become and what I want to create from this day today. Taking full responsibility. Of course, I was not aware of that when I was like 15. I, I guess like being this obsessed with art from a very young age made me very different. While my friends my age were uh, playing reggaeton, I was like listening to hard rock. So it, they were like very like, okay, this girl is not like us. Having this awareness of this genre difference asking from such a very young age like why i'm not really like my twin brother for being a girl and at the same time this obsession with art brought like more connection with myself in a complete unaware way and then like one thing led to another and i guess that i was always creating myself from the very beginning with not even realizing you know like now i do that with every decision that I take I'm like what is this leading me to you speak really strongly and firmly and have a really clear story about the gift of your difference which is wonderful but I was wondering like are there elements which are hard about that the thing is that I for some reason I have this gift from the universe or whatever created me that I'm deeply and endlessly uh, grateful for that I just don't give a fuck. And I've never given a fuck, you know? Like, I remember when kids were trying to bully me in the school that I was just drawing, like, look at them, and I was like, I'm not following this, so just stop. I'm not even interested in entertaining this. So they just left. I guess it was hard, the part of, like, the loneliness, you know? Like, I'm alone in this, being surrounded by, let's say, normal people, and you being the weirdy, the weirdo one, you know, it's like, that's hard. But I have to say, I always had a best friend. Her name is Carol. And she was uh, a weirdo, like me. I am what I am in part for her. Because I had someone beside me that was also questioning things. She was also weird. So I think that that allowed me as well to be weird and to not give a fuck somehow you know like I don't know it's like yeah that's really beautiful it's almost like like they were your first I mean in in the way you speak now they were your first expansive expander yeah yeah she was my first founder yeah actually I remember and I remember about this the other day we were like 10 and I took a, a leaf from a plant from a life plant and she she questioned why are you doing that she's alive why are you doing that and I remember that moment, the shoot of awareness, insane, you know? So these little details, like my grandpa telling me, you have to clean the, the dishes. And I was like, why my brother doesn't? These kind of little details were affecting me a lot in the, in the little creation of, of what I am now. This combination of like being really obsessed with just drawing and reading and then having a healthy family that just support me no matter what and no matter how different I am. Not particularly 
understanding because they didn't actually, they just respected me. That is what made it not really hard to grow up like a weirdo. The hardest part was lacking these expanders around, but I kind of have that now too, you know, like there are not many 27 years old feminist artists, entrepreneurs creating, making business, you know, like in Barcelona. So it's always about teaching myself how to do it. It's really interesting to hear you talk about those early points, because every time you've, you've referenced an actual moment, it's been a question like, why are you pulling that leaf or like why am I not doing noshing up it's really interesting to like hear how much that inquisitive nature is a really strong thread in in the person you were at age four and the, and the person you are now my family we are really honest people like we speak with honesty we don't hide things you know and we don't fake that things are okay a lot of times they don't agree with me or they don't even understand me and they don't want to understand me and my mom was never like oh you're so right this teacher is so bad no it was always like okay what did you do i remember like spending weeks making an artwork and being like yeah, I don't like that that much. I'd rather this sketch that you did in three minutes, you know? So it's like this, like, uh, mix between the honesty and not building the ego. My family never uh, treated me like I was gifted or something like that. They were like, okay, she's obsessed with art, so we will support her, but that's it, you know? And I'm so grateful for that because I think that's the reason why now people can swallow me and I'm, I'm not like <laughs> having this super unhealthy and ridiculous ego uh, for everything that I do actually <laughs> and it's really it's really beautiful to to hear you talk about your mother like when you got into trouble saying asking you what went wrong at school instead of being like the teacher's right and you're wrong at that age she trusted your story and it seems like that's a really important part of you. The way you're talking to me now about yourself is that like you have a trust for your own story. It's about responsibility. Why I'm telling you that I create myself and that I create my life like a piece of art and I do create myself, like I developed myself, is because I was educated to take responsibility. For me, it was not like, oh, this 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 what teacher did that to you no it was like okay what did you do take responsibility of what you did you know and now like that's the way i live life and for me taking responsibility is, is so powerful you know it's like i cannot choose the the cards that i have but i can choose how i play them and i think life is all about that and i really believe of the infinite power of the mind you know like when you start taking responsibility of your own mind and your own life that is fucking game changer you know and that's you know i'm brainstorming this out loud right now because i didn't even realize about that but yes that's how i was educated just take fucking responsibility of your actions and that's how i live my life now and that's what i what i um, i really emphasize in this when i teach people when i mentor people it's really nice to hear how excited you are to explore it i like the brainstorming part is yeah it's 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 really cool and i mean speaking of responsibility then you've developed and 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 very much invested your heart 
into into a community literally people are writing to you saying oh my god claudia how do i be productive you're not even artists and i was wondering how, how does that responsibility sit with you how does that feel i think it feels good because I've always wanted to have an active role in society. I could be a proper activist or I can have like a, a voice where I can like do doing activism in all the way. I believe in the power of people to make this shitty world into a better one. So I, I am really grateful for the voice that I have amplified by a big community when I can reach thousands of people just with clicking a button. It is a responsibility in, in, in terms of, I receive dozens of messages every day of people telling me, if I go vegan, they go vegan. If I rollerblade, they buy rollerblades. If I uh, paint, they paint. If I am productive, they want to learn how to be productive. I think that the good part of this responsibility is that it 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 brings me awareness of my power but not like the power of Claudia Sorquillo but as an individual in this society and the and the responsibility of the collective change I really believe in that so yes I feel it like a kind of like a responsibility but this is the way I want to live my life so I'm just I'm nothing but grateful for being able to do this and to be able to reach uh, a lot of people from my Instagram. I'm really grateful for that because if I wouldn't have that, I would find a way to do this in another way. And it's it's super curious to hear about your community and, and hear that there are so many people out there who are looking for someone to guide them, for someone to be that person who shows them that rollerblades are cool or <laughs> or whatever and like there's a really big push from people of our generation to discover like how they can be better in a way that generations before us weren't obsessed of how they can improve yeah. why do you why do you think we're like that well i think that life is sweet for us we grew up in this digital era and okay life was very sweet for us before the pandemic now like we are living like in a very intense moment but before it was like life was i think that's my theory like life was very sweet when life is sweet you can think about improving yourself if life is not sweet and you need to fight for eating something then of course you cannot think about the improvement but i think it's all about the commodity of this era that we live in that because you know my grandma uh, tells me stories about how she was eating leftovers from the floor you know the street because she was hungry when she was like 5 so of course she was not thinking about improving herself what the fuck you know but for us it's like we have all these phones and we grew up with uh, disney on our televisions and it's easy it's like art that is what fascinates more uh, the most about art for me is that Art is absolutely useless. What I do is useless. If we uh, go into a, like, how do you say, what's the word? Post, like apocalyptic, apocalyptic, oh fuck, what's the word? A, po a post-apocalyptic world, yeah. I think, or, or into an apocalypse. Yeah, maybe. if you go into a, an apocalypse, like, uh, I, uh, me as an artist, I am completely useless, you know? 
Like, like but funnily I, enough, in a pandemic, you're not. It's, like, it's <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now I'm, I feel that I'm helping a lot of people. But as a, as a, like, if if things go really, really bad, my role in society is absolutely useless. Art is absolutely a luxury. It's a gift. You know, it's not a necessity. It's a gift. And also, like self improvement is a luxury that we give ourselves as humans because our life is. I really try to make a change in the world and I think that everybody should actively make a change in the world but at the same time we are not that important when my students are like freaking out because they don't want to post their art on Instagram because oh my god they are so afraid I'm like dude it's a fucking app and your art is not that important you are not that important we are a, a mini tiny dot in a fucking amazing and huge universe so we are not that important Life is sweet for us. Humans are so amazing that we can allow to give it ourselves the gift of creativity. Mm. That is absolutely, at the same time, absolutely useless. And at the same time, is really meaningful. It's interesting that contradiction. Because even with people who are making series for Netflix, or if it's, I don't know, writing a book, creativity is a luxury. But actually, on the flip side of it, like, it's wholly necessary and, like, and, like, uh, inherent part of our evolution it's just a, like a part of being a human being it's really meaningful for us but let's be honest it's absolutely useless and but i think that in a very romantic way and i love it i love that what do you need netflix for nothing you can live without it but imagine a pandemic without netflix like what an experience shitty experience and books and music and netflix made all of that so much easier and 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 beautiful and it almost it almost makes you think because what you're describing is like that art and creativity is beautifully useless like romantically useless yeah and and almost beautiful because it's useless like it's made just to be appreciated but then what is useful if you think about the fact that we don't make that much of an impact, that actually we are just like a lot of little creatures on like a spinning ball of dirt. I do think that we make an impact. I do think so. But I think my point is that creativity is a luxury for humans. And I find the I find that the most fascinating thing about human beings, you know, like the the gift of creativity that you can absolutely live without, but we absolutely need it. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the phrase, isn't it? It's the difference between living and surviving. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so I suppose we should talk about your productivity instead of giving you therapy. But I, I hope you don't mind. I, it, it, I love it. Perfect. Good. <laughs> How do we define productivity? People love you by the fact that you produce. It's interesting to think about where that value comes from. Why do you think producing is so important? To be honest, I don't care how much shit you get done if you're not happy. So for me, like being productive is actually living a beautiful, happy and meaningful life. To do that, you need productivity. You need to ignore everything to be happy or you need to make something to actually live the life that you want. I want you to be productive in a way that I want you to cannot wait to wake up to your life every day. 
One of the things that uh, people were asking me a lot, like they were asking me, like, what do you do? Like, how do you have so much good energy? Why are you happy? Like, how do you do it to like, how, why are you so strong? Like, how can I be so strong like you? How can I be happy like you? How can I not be afraid of speak my mind the way you do? That for me is productivity. I have the productivity program that it's only about productivity. I only talk about scheduling in the last week, in the fourth week. There are four weeks. The three first weeks is all about mindsets. It's all about understanding what you want, where are you, and what is your motivation. I don't care how many things you do. I know amazing business people that are completely unhappy. I don't want that. I, I know people like millionaires that are living in an unhappy marriage and that are not enjoying their life and that people that are absolutely workaholics because they don't know what to do with their free time because they didn't build a life. They, they're just getting things done and earning a lot of money. I'm not interested about that. I love money. Let's say that clear. I love money and I think it's a great tool to help you do things that you really want. But it's not the goal. The goal is not getting things done. The goal is learning what do you want and learning how do you get there. You know, the goal is being so excited about your life that you cannot wait to live it. That's a really nice point. <laughs> would, you, would you describe yourself as a workaholic? Ah, that's a really nice question. That's a, that's a, like people, you know, like lately I've been, I've been telling my friends like, oh my God, I need to be careful not to become a workaholic. And they're like, darling, you already are. <laughs> <laughs> my work is my art. My art is my life. So for me, it's very hard not to be productive, but not because I want to earn more money or do more things. Just because if being productive for me is living the life you want and doing what you want and being focused on that, yes. Even like my rest, I schedule my recharging time, like my fun and rest time. Like I schedule that because I know that I need that to be able to do the cognitive process of building business or making art or the acts of making art. So Everything is connected, you know. If workaholic is being addicted to your work, maybe, yes. But I'm a really, <laughs> I'm a really obsessed, like I'm obsessive, like I'm, I'm really like intense person, you know. Like I'm obsessed with my art since I was born. I'm obsessed with learning since I was like 10 years old. I'm obsessed with, like, I'm an obsessive personality and a really intense one and addictive. But that's the only reason why I can't do what I do, you know? Like, some days I work 15 hours, like, for weeks. And, and sometimes I just rest because I know that I need it to be able to do more. So, yes, but I am very aware of not doing it in a healthy way. I learned how to rest. And I love resting. And I, I like, you know, like I am a, I ferociously attack my goals, but I am also an expert lover, you know, like I, I, I overwork. Yes, I do overwork, but I also overplay. And for me, that is important. You know, I consciously play. I consciously stop. I'm very aware of where and with whom I put my energy 
because I don't want to waste it. I truly believe that I am the happiest person I know. And, you know, my mom argues with me because she thinks she's the happiest person I know. And we always fight about that. But I think I'm <laughs> the happiest person I know. So what a funny thing to fight about. Yeah, I know. We always fight about that. But actually, one of my goals is actually to be, like, my biggest goal in my life is to be extraordinarily, I never know how to say that word, but super extraordinarily happy, you know? Like, mm. I want to be the happiest person I know. I want to, cannot wait to wake up to live my life every morning. That's my goal of my life. For that, I need to overwork and overplay. Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening everyone i hope you enjoyed it i told you it was a bit of a belter that was part one next week i'm going to be releasing part two um because she's got even more in the tank um but until then stay safe stay well um please get in touch uh, follow us on instagram on spotify i mean you're probably already doing that but get your friends to do the same um and their friends uh, we're growing this little baby and i'm more committed than ever um thank you again to claudia um what a star stay happy guys stay well and be lovely to each other bye <laughs>